All right. Hello, this is Pamela and welcome to Purpose by Design podcast. And today in episode two, we have Dre Fuller with us here and we are so excited to have you here today, Dre. I'm not going to take much time at all to say a whole lot right now because you have this amazing story and I want us to be able to get into it. So would you take a few minutes and just introduce yourself to those listening today? Tell us a little bit about you and your family, and then I have some questions for you. Hey, everyone. I am so excited to be here with you guys today. Man, I'm fired up. Um, I'm Dre Fuller, as Pamela uh, said. I'm a teacher. I teach 11th and 12th grade. I also help people with their fitness goals. And I'm a minister at Life Church. I have a beautiful wife. I mean, she's stunning. She kind of looks like a young Whitney Houston yeah. with a big afro, if you can picture that in your mind. Right? And I have a little daughter who's just as much as a diva as her. And she's a toddler. She's three years old. Everyone knows that toddlers, they want to be the boss. And my wife is pregnant. And everyone knows that a pregnant wife can be hormonal. So I got two people, two women competing to be the boss of this house. <laughs> so, so you guys pray for me. But I, I'm excited to be here and um, just loving life and impacting people, adding value as much as I can everywhere that I go. That is great. I have a two-year-old granddaughter. So my kids are older, but I do remember. Um, and my son-in-law now, he has his wife, his daughter, a female kitty cat, and now a female puppy dog. So he is, I mean, he it's all women in his life. <laughs> and your wife is beautiful. I've seen so many pictures of her on Facebook, and she is just a glowing um, mother right now. You can see it, but yeah, she is stunning and beautiful. Well, Dre, where, now you're in Florida. We're in Florida. Yes, I'm in Fort Myers, Florida. Fort Myers, Florida. Yes, love, love it here. Sunshine yep. State. What is the temperature there today? Uh, it, I probably would say it's probably around 85 or 90 today. Woo, is it, is it steamy? Is it, you it's know? not, it's, I don't know. I don't think, see, I try to stay inside so I don't have to figure it out. So I don't really know. <laughs> but it's real hot. I'm not out there. So yeah. I don't know, right? It's, it's air conditioning here. I know that. I feel good where I'm at right now inside. So but it's probably probably about 85 or 90 just from looking. That's what it seems like. Nice. It's a, Well, I'm in Minnesota, and I think we are as hot as you are in Florida today. It's been really hot with heavy dew points and, yeah, all of that. Well, I want to tell you all that um, I was just literally feel guided to meet Dre and uh, connected with him through a John Maxwell Facebook group and started hearing a little bit about his story, a little bit about his family, a lot about his ministry and what he does adding value to people's lives. and. It caused me to just be really, I was really taken by the presentation of, of what he stands for. And as I reached out to hear more about him and then heard his story, I was wowed by it. I truly was. Because you had a rough start in life. You didn't, you know, you didn't just come into the world with a silver platter and all of that. You had some rough starts, but you had, as you put it, you know, God, you know, intervening and guiding you along the way. But you also made really positive choices. Even if you made some not great choices, you also made some real positive choices and turned your life around. And you have family members that have incredible stories but what a story you carry of coming into something that is a mess and allowing God and, of course, your own choice of willing to say yes to make a masterpiece out of a mess. And I think we all have those stories, but some people's stories are just they're, they just are revolutionary and they are so powerful. And in this day and age 
when we are in so much chaos in our nation. And I believe that our restoration and rebuilding is going to come from the inside out, not from the outside in. Outside institutions can't do it or they would have. But people just like you, Dre, have stories that need to be heard. And I believe that as we spread these wonderful stories and really spread love with them and encouragement, people need to be encouraged right now that we're going to be able to bridge the gap that has really seemed to be like this gap or this cavern in our nation because of everybody's differences. You know, differences are to be celebrated, not demoted. And we should be celebrating people who have decided not to quit and decided to keep moving and pressing forward. And what an encouragement that is to somebody else who might be listening right now saying, I don't know what to do. Or they're captive to thoughts that are taking them down destruction road. Or they are stuck in that whole divisiveness right now that's happening. They're stuck in being um, negative towards differences instead of, you know what, it's okay that we're not all cookie cutters of each other. It's okay that we don't look alike, think alike, talk alike. We still have a story to share. And if we can just kind of get through all of that, I believe we can come together as a strong nation and a nation where when we say, you know, one nation under God, that can really become apparent again if we will just take pause right now and let love and values, you know, John Maxwell talks about values, how America has really lost a lot of its do unto others values. If we will just start to look at people as people and hear their stories and their hearts, I don't know how it can do anything but change our nation. I don't know how it could do anything but cause us to have respect and honor for one another, again, the way it should be. So I'm going to start asking you a few questions, and I just want you to run with it. Is that okay? Let's go. Oh, right. So here's just a couple of fun ones. So everybody likes to know the inside scoop on someone else, especially those special little things like, I wonder what it is that Dre likes to run to in the summer, like that special drink that he likes. Does he go to Starbucks? Does he go to Dunn's Brothers? Maybe he's just like, nope, I just like my Coca-Cola or his orange juice. Maybe he fresh squeezes carrot juice every morning. <laughs> what <laughs> is your summer beverage? Well, I'm not a soda guy, I'll tell you that. I rarely ever drink soda. So I actually help people with fitness goals and wellness. So overall, pretty healthy, you know, not perfect, but I would probably say uh, I like my herbal tea, right? That's probably my go-to, my herbal life tea. I love to drink that, energizes me, uh, burns calories, so it helps me get that summer body if I ain't got it already by the time the summertime hit. <laughs> so I would say that's my beverage of choice. Herbal tea, now do you have a flavor with that? A flavor? Uh, I, go, I go peach. Peach. Okay. Peach. Now, now, iced or hot? I like it hot in the morning because I'm not a coffee guy. Okay. But I still got that coffee, that that hot coffee feel, that feeling that you get when you drink yeah. hot coffee. So I'll put it in the microwave, get it nice, steaming hot, and I like it like that. Now, do you use a sweetener or stevia? No, or is No sweetener, no sweetener. nothing. I, I add a little bit of, we, we have a product called Herbal Aloe, and um, it, it, it has a good flavor to it. I add it in there, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> that's really awesome. So that's your go-to, and then you have that. Uh, and later on, you have the peach tea iced. So you're the peach tea guy. Peach tea guy. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now you mentioned John Maxwell, and we connected through John Maxwell's site. Yes. So um, maybe it's John Maxwell, maybe it's not, but... As far as self-development goes, what, you know, what book or, I don't know, teaching or YouTube or whatever has really been instrumental to you or what are you camped on right now? In the moment or just in general? 
Well, whichever. You could do both. You could say both. Why don't you do both? In general okay. and then right now. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, hmm, I like different people for different things. So Jim, Jim Rohn, he says that success is something that you attract by the person that you become. Yeah. A lot of my life, I spent it trying to obtain things as opposed to being focused on who else, who else becoming and developing into becoming the person that would naturally bring those things to my life. So I love that quote by Jim Rohn. Love that about him. That's I great. love John Maxwell. Right now, I'm on everyone communicates, but few connect. Because mm -hmm. connection is everything to me. Um, That's good. I would say, and I always try to read personal growth books, and I have my spiritual books that I that I love to read. I would say, uh, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. It's one of the books that really transformed my life that I actually love when it comes to spiritual books. That's Benny Hinn, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. That's great. So you are a very motivated individual. I can see that. I can tell that. And you have a real heart to help others to, uh, to be their best, to, I think, as Joel Osteen says, the rest of your life is the best of your life. Yes. So um, it kind of sounds like that's uh, part of who you are. But you really can uh, fully teach that, instruct that, coach that, because you have this almost like a rags to riches story of how you just developed. So I would love it if you would start, you know, just start and just share with us. Let's talk about what life was like for you um, growing up, your family, the family life, uh, where, you know, where did you where did you grow up? Where did you live? What was it like? And then we'll kind of go from there. So go ahead and take it away. Okay. So just imagine with me around first grade, my mother's walking me to the bus stop. And as we're walking to the bus stop, I can feel the tension in the air. I can tell that something is up, but can't quite articulate it. My mom basically just looks me in the eyes and lets me know that she loves me. But with such sincerity, as if I may not see her again. Hmm. And she began to say that everything's gonna be okay for you. It's all gonna be okay. Mommy will see you again, remember that I love you. I went to school that day, hours went by. My nephew and I, when we got off the bus on the way home, as I opened the door and came inside, I recognized that my mother was nowhere to be found. And finally it all came together and it hit me, exactly what she meant that morning when she said that she would see me again later. My mother was gone. She had been sentenced to three years to prison. And here I was alone with the guy that I wasn't close to, was a stepfather. My mom hadn't been with him for that long. And at that time, I ended up leaving to go live with another individual who was part of the family. I'm not going to say their name. But as time went on, I began to suffer from abuse from being choked, to being spit on, to being physically hit as a kid when my mother was locked up. And this person would argue with my mother over the phone and at different times wouldn't allow my mother to talk to me when they got upset with her. So you can imagine the hurt, yeah. the pain, the anger, the rage, the feeling of not being able to control your destiny. And I felt powerless. And I remember wishing that when this individual that was keeping me at the time, when they went out for an errand, that somehow something tragic happened to them and that, that they wouldn't make it back home so that I could finally be free. Three years went by. My mother got out of prison. And as my mother got out of prison, the little boy that she left was now a changed person. The little boy that she left now was full of hurt, was full of pain, was full of rage, was full of anger. And my mother eventually got me back. And I remember having anger and lashing out and being somewhat uncontrollable and cursing. And my mother didn't know what to really do with me. And my mother 
had got an addiction to drugs. She was snorting. She was snorting cocaine. And even though my mother was a functioning drug addict, so she still had a job. So as I grew up, even though my mother loved me in a lot of ways, I felt neglected. And I had this pain in the inside from the abuse I had suffered. And I felt that I was trapped and there was no way out of the, the eternal suffering that I was thrown into as my mother was sent away for the time period that she was gone. Sure. So I, I came up with this vision, this grand plan that I was going to go to the NFL. And I, I was pretty good at football. And my nephew who, who lived with me was around the same age. Um, his mother died, which was my sister. My sister was around 30 years old. That same year that my mother left and went to prison, my sister died of AIDS. She died of AIDS that same year when my mother left to go to prison. So my nephew, which is my sister's son, two of my nephews, both of my sister's son, my mother took them in when she got out of prison. She was raising all of us. One of my nephews, his name is Noel. He was a superstar. Uh, my other nephew, his name was Tony. But we all grew up and um, my, mother, my mother leaving affected us all different ways. But as we grew up, I started playing ball. I was pretty good. I was exceptional, right? But every time I would have a coach that I felt disrespected me or mistreated me in any type of way, I would explode because subconsciously, it was as if I was almost taking my frustration out on this male figure for the abuse that the previous male, fig male figure had afflicted on me. And I had made up my mind. I wasn't going to allow anyone to disrespect me or to abuse me. So because of that, I ended up getting kicked off the team in high school, even though I was pretty good. I switched to a different high school where I did really, really well. Uh, but again, I got, in, got into it with the coach again. And the coach basically looked at, looked at me in my eyes. He said, I'm not going to help you get into college. He said, I'm not going to help you at all. He said, I'm not going to help you. And it was during that time for me when I'm combating with this coach that I told you was before I told you before I would become explosive because I had a lot of anger and hurt. And I remember getting in touch with that coach around the game time and me telling him, man, I will kill you. Like, don't don't F with me. I will kill you. And I'm cursing. I'm enraged because in actuality, this coach was very immature and he was doing things to purposely hurt me. But he was doing them in a very calm way in a very discreet way. So I had had enough. And as I'm sitting on that bus, someone came to me. And when they came over to me, it was a, a young man that, that was also on that team. And he said, hey, man, I'd like to invite you to church. And I started laughing. <laughs> I started laughing. I, I could appreciate his boldness. But I'm thinking, what the heck does church got to do with this? What is church going to do for me? <laughs> You want to team up with me to get this coach? I don't want to go to church. <laughs> I want his behind. <laughs> and so, long story short, I told him, okay, man, I'd be willing to take a visit. Around this time, I'm about I'm in 12th grade. And uh, somewhere around this time, I, I'm at home. I hear my mother in the other room. My mother was high. She, she had been snorting. And all of a sudden, I hear my mother in the other room screaming, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm like, what is going on in there? <laughs> What's going on? She must have got an extra good dose of drugs in there. What's going on with mommy in there? <laughs> right? I didn't know quite what was going on. But as my as the story unfolded, my mom told began to tell me later on that that day as she was high, she heard a still, small voice whispering to her telling her, just put the drugs down. I have a greater purpose for you. Put the drugs down, and I'm going to bless your son. Mm. And that day, my mother took her drugs, and she threw them away. Wow. She threw, 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 threw them away. And our higher power began to break that desire off of her. And she had been taking me different to different churches, different places. And I was bored. It was a snooze fest. 
Come on, if I have any young people listening to this, you know, you probably don't want your parents to know, but you'd be bored in that church. <laughs> it was a snooze fest. Every time I went, it was time to sleep. I was not impacted. So after this individual, his name was Zuriel Johnson. After this individual on my team had invited me to his church, I went back to mom. I said, mom, I said, look, let's, why don't you try uh, one of the churches that I want to go to, right? I'm, I've got enough sleep at your churches. Why don't you come to <laughs> one of the churches that I want to go to? Mommy said, okay, let's go, honey. And then I went in that church, and like I said, I had been to church before. It was always a snooze fest, snooze fest for me. But I was so impacted. I was so touched. And God touched my heart. I experienced such peace, such a tangible peace. For the first time in my life, I felt the relief from the weight of the abuse that I had been through. And at that time, I struggled with depression, mood swings, and I felt the relief. Fast forward, I went to college, and I played college ball where I was in Minnesota, where Pamela is at. <laughs> coldest place in the world. Jeez. Florida boy going to Minnesota, packed his bags, ready for a new beginning, praying I don't get into it with a coach again. Right. Right. I'm up there in Minnesota, freezing my behind off, and um, things didn't go as planned. Basically, uh, I ended up getting a little bit injured. And there were some boys there, and the boys there, they thought they were tough guys, and they were kind of making fun of me, saying different things. So basically, what do you guys think I did? Same thing I did previously. I snapped. I exploded on them. And here I am up there depressed, smoking weed every other day, drinking liquor every other day, um, going from different relationship to different relationship, any and everything to try to ease my pain. And I found myself, I was afraid that I was going down the same path as my mother had went on of drug addiction. My father had, had went on. And thank God I had a praying mother. Thank God I had a previous experience with God because similar to the experience my mother had, I had that experience. And I felt like God was bringing to me, Dre, I have great things for you. I have great things for you. And it's either you're going to choose to be an inspirational person and I'm going to cause you to impact hundreds of thousands of lives. And you're going to be an inspiration. Or you're going to choose another path. And you will end up in prison like your parents. Or drug addicted like your parents. Which path are you going to choose? Mm. Whether football goes right for you or not. Because so many times my relationship with God was based on what I felt like he was doing for me. And it was like he was saying, regardless of how football or anything goes that you want. If you choose my path, I'm going to cause you to be successful. And it was from that time that I started really choosing that right path and began to align my life. Started working on my personal growth, my personal development, learning new things, working on transforming myself. And, and from there, I, I became a teacher. Never thought I would be a teacher. My, my mother didn't graduate high school. My mother had a baby in 10th grade, her first kid had dropped off, dropped out of school and her mother didn't even know how to read. Wow. So when we talk about the cycle, the generational cycle of poverty and lack of education among African Americans, um, I, I come from that background. My, my grandmother couldn't read. My grandmother uh, was her, her, she couldn't read. I'm, I'm going to explain to you how bad it was. She named my mother Lee, L-E-E, -E, but on her birth certificate, it was spelled N-E, N-E. So my mother's name was Lee, but legally her name was spelled N-E. Hmm. So, so when I grew up as a kid, I was confused. I, my mom never told me that, never told me, you know, I didn't know my grandma, she passed away, didn't tell my grandma I couldn't read. So when I got my first tattoo, I thought I was giving my mama some type of honor. I got a tattoo with an angel. I put me on the bottom. And he, my mama said, why the heck you put any on them? My name is Lee. <laughs> I don't know. I'm confused. I don't know what to call you. <laughs> I have no idea. 
So, um, so to become a teacher, and I made up my mind that I was going to break the generational cycle that was in my family, that from me going forward, there will no longer be a lack of education. From, from me going forward, my bloodline, everything that I produce, there would no longer be broken marriages. There would no longer be poverty. So then I found, I found my wife right before I became a teacher. We got married, had a daughter. And I just began to position myself in determination of developing myself, developing my spirituality, developing my skills to break every cycle that is in my bloodline. And that's exactly uh, what I've been able to do with, with the help of God. And now I'm a minister to church. I'm a motivational speaker. And I'm just adding value to as many people as I possibly can. Man, that is such an incredible story. I am inspired and motivated right now. <laughs> now, when you said that about your grandmother not being able to read and about uh, not knowing mom's name, right? So having the wrong name for mom because of grandma not being able to read. And even your mom not being able to, could she read or not very well? Yeah, see, my mother can read really well. <laughs> she just oh, yeah. didn't take education series. So sure. when we talk about cycles, right, my, my grandmother could not read, but my mom could read. So she went a step further, but she just wasn't determined to graduate high school. Right. No, that makes total sense. And coming from the side through the cycles, that makes sense. But also society at that time as well um, makes total sense because a women in general at that time, but then a black woman on top of that, that would have been, an, well, there was a lot of segregation. There was a lot of racism. Uh, different, different than what we deal with today, although it's, it's, we're still fighting it, right? But that would make sense um, why your mom would have chose that path. I totally, totally get it. It's so sad, but I, I, I get it. So for your mom, she must have been ecstatic. So your mom's still alive. She's still here. Yes. So she must be so proud of her son who went on, graduated, is now a teacher, and wow, how did, what, what did your mom, what is, how does she respond to you in regards to all that? Because you didn't just break a cycle, I mean, you broke out of a box, a box that had marked you as an, as a black man, a box that had, had marked you as coming out of just the generational cycle that was there and continuing. Uh, and also the whole thing of a single parent child, latchkey kid child. I mean, there's a lot of things that you broke out of there. H how has that affected your mom? My mother is ecstatic sure. and her, her life is, has changed. I mean, just to see my mother free from drugs and, and, and living a, a clean life. Yes. It, it's impactful for me, and our relationship has just became better um, as I've matured and as I've gotten older. So my mother, she's she's excited, she's happy. I'm pretty sure she feels she knows that she's contributed to my success as well because I, I firmly believe that you know that day when she chose to put those drugs out, right. that, that was impactful um, for for the future of my life. So I know she feels proud of me, and I'm I hope she's proud of herself. Uh, you know, for the choice that she made. Yeah, no kidding, right? And I love that, that, you know, the God of the universe is, is not um, picking and choosing based upon uh, gender or color or financial status, right? He, he right. just spoke right out to her about a better life that he had for her even though her little world didn't probably seem all that good. I mean, she had a lot of things in the, in the physical realm that were hard that she had, that she was going to, if she said, okay, I'm going to put the drugs down. That meant facing a whole nother set of challenges. Um, number one, not numbing yourself, right? Not self-medicating. 
and but also facing just all those giants that definitely were there but god used or that still small voice which i believe was god that she heard used you as that hook line and sinker that he was going to take care of not only her but he was going to take care of you and probably all of the kids but isn't that amazing so now your mom has been put the drugs down when was that when was that oh well that was a while ago now so let's see that was probably like what 14 years ago amazing amazing so she walked away from it 14 years ago and the promise that she was given was what she is seeing today in you that must be so encouraging for her. What an incredible story. Now you said that you, there was something you said that really struck me and I wrote it down. Okay. That God spoke to you, but he said, Dre, you choose. You choose. Ah, man, that was so powerful. I think sometimes people think that, you know, either it's just a red carpet life rolled out before us or it's that dirt road, you know, that we have to walk out that there is no, there, there's no choice on our part, or that we don't have to do anything, or that there's just going to be like a snap of the fingers and, uh, you know, rub that genie bottle and everything's going to change. But you clearly said that you were told to choose. Could you talk about that a little? Because that really struck me. Yes, yes. So, to intentionality. You know, a lot of times we just surrender to our circumstances, but I just felt like God was first empowering me by just giving me, showing me that I could choose. So the first thing is that's empowerment, but me understanding that I have the ability to choose which path I'm going to take, regardless of what anyone else did. Um, so that choosing wasn't just a one-time choosing, but but. This is, it may sound like a success story, but it was a challenge. And it was a, a daily and a weekly fight. And there were multiple choices that I had to make when the old habits tried to creep back up. Right. And the old ways tried to creep back up. The anger tried to creep back up. So, yes, yeah, so it just shows that we have the power to choose and the power to continue to choose, yeah. to choose our better self and our better life. How important is that for people to realize that they have been given the gift of choice, that they can choose? Do you remember when you heard that that first time inside of you? Was that an empowering thought? Was it a scary thought? Did it, well, like, oh, okay, well, then I'm just going to choose to continue was it immediately that that kind of arrested you and you were like, I am choosing the better life. I'm choosing this route. Was it immediate? Was it scary? How did you end up not just, okay, I get to choose, but choosing to change? Well, for me, it was hopeful because I spent most of my life trying to run from, from being negative but I didn't know what I was running to. So as if now I had a, a vision of what I was running to, when before I only had a vision of what I was running from. Wow. And until we get a vision of what we're running to, right. a lot of times we'll naturally be pulled back to who we don't want, who we don't desire to be. That so my, my whole thought was, man, I don't want to be like some people in my family. I don't want to be like some people in my family. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to abuse women. I don't want to sell drugs. And even though it was a, a start, I had to get a vision for the future because without a vision, we cast off restraint. Yeah. And when I lost the vision of football, I found myself casting out all self-restraint. And here I was doing drugs, different things like that. So. That was powerful for me because it was showing me that I was more than just sports and there was something greater. And the African-American American community, a lot of times we grow up, if, if you're from the urban neighborhood 
and your only vision really is playing sports or selling drugs. And those were the only vision, that was the only vision I had. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, either I'm going to sell drugs, or I'm going to play ball, but either way, I'm going to get money. Right. Those, that was the declaration that, that I was declaring out of my mouth growing up. So yeah, it was hopeful to me because it was like, I felt like, you know, my God was saying to me, son, that's so much greater in you. Your vision is limited. Let me take the blinders off and show you what's really in you. Yes. And so as you said, growing up in that, in the African-American community, and this is important for people to hear that that limitation had been placed on you through all that it had, through everything that had happened throughout, not just your life, but you talk about the bondages, you talk about what the African gener- the African American community had been through. It seemed like there was only two options for a young black man entering into his adulthood. You had two options, and that was. I mean, so you weren't thinking, well, I could go to school and be a teacher. I could go to school and I could be a whatever. I could be a musician. I could, you know, those things weren't even, it was this, you had had this mindset that said, these are the only options I have because this is. Yeah, so as a matter of fact, so we're talking about the power of an environment. Yes. And the power of what's modeled before you. That option was given to me before, but believe it or not, I almost felt disrespected by that option. Mm-hmm. Because it was not where I was from, those other options weren't glamorized. Okay. I didn't see it as cool. So I remember my mom coming to me, and, and I, my nephew was a baller. His name was Noah Devai. He was exceptional. And a lot of times I was always in his shadow. And I remember my mother coming to me and saying, Listen, son, you're very intelligent. You're very smart. Like you, you know, in the world, he's great at football, but you're smart. You could be a doctor. You could be a lawyer. I took it as if she disrespected me. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm a football player. Excuse me. Yeah. So, so I didn't have the other option and, and because I didn't choose to see that option. Right. And because I didn't know anyone in my environment. Like, I don't even know any of my black friends who had, I don't, I didn't have any that even like, their father was not around. So I, I, I didn't know doctors or lawyers or professional people. So there was no one modeling that for me. People in, in my family that I was around, a lot of them sold drugs. So that was the, that was the modeling that I had. Sure. Um, so yes, so, so my options were limited by me. I limited my options and my environment enforced that limiting belief. And I just believe that, you know, God or, you know, the, the God that I believe in came and said, look, there is a, there is a third option for you, son. Wow, right, right. And I was finally open to see that and to curious enough to explore that. So it's almost like, um, it's almost like there were blinders on and you could only see this and you could only see what was right in front of you. But God came and expand, took those blinders off and expanded this incredible vision into and, your life. And, and I can, there's no way that I could possibly talk about this story without talking about uh, Mr. and Mrs. Ryan, Patrick Ryan. And we're talking about, you know, bringing racial reconciliation. This happened to be a white family. And they basically would take me in like a son. And I would spend a lot of my time over there. They would get me away from the environment that I was in. And I would go over there and stay the night. They would take me on trips to Bush Gardens. And they've been married for so long. So they didn't model that life for me. And they're still like my parents to this day. And they're super proud to see how I've turned out. And they were just an example of not being distracted by color. And just loving me like a sincere son. And really impacting my life. Which is what is needed today. It's what's always needed, but it's needed today. Thank goodness for that family that did that for you. Now, you ended up in Ely, Minnesota, right? Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. Okay. I know Ely. There's nothing in Ely. I mean, <laughs> no offense to anybody living in Ely, but what a totally different environment. Like you were in Fort Myers, Florida. Hey, while you're talking about Ely, I got to say this too. Man, the power. A lot of times God will speak through people. And if we're listening, he can direct us if our mind is open for another option the way. When I was in Ely, Minnesota, at Vermilion Community College, I met the teacher that has impacted my life more than any other teacher. Wow. Mary Greninger. I almost cried thinking about this lady. She pulled me in her office, and she's a, she's a white lady as well. She pulled me in her office. She said, Dre, you are so gifted. The way that you speak, you're so articulate. She said, you would be, guess what she said I would be? She uh, said, a teacher? A teacher. <laughs> she said, you would be an awesome and an amazing teacher. Wow. <laughs> I said, Ms. Greninger, I'm not a teacher. I'm a football player. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to play some football. I ain't got time to be teaching nobody, right? Right. But wow. Until this day, she's a Facebook friend, and she's so proud to see my progress and to see the power of her speaking into my life and speaking over my life. Well, that's just it. She spoke into your life. She spoke life into your life. She spoke love and not judgment into your life. She saw the inside of who you were and what you could be, not based on anything else, whether it was skin color, whether it was bad attitude, good attitude, whatever. She saw past all of that and saw the real you. Wow. So, you know, your whole trip to Ely could have just been to meet Mrs. Was it Granger? Was that her name? Gr Greninger. Greninger. It could have been to meet her. That could have been it right there. What was it like to be in Ely, Minnesota? Because I know that at that time in Ely, it was probably a predominantly uh, white, we'll say Scandinavian uh, type of environment that was there. Was that difficult for you? Yeah, it was It was all salt and no pepper up there in Ely. <laughs> right. It was, it, it wasn't much pepper up there, man. It needs some more seasoning. <laughs> was it was it difficult for me? Uh, it wasn't as, as difficult for me because, like like I said, you know the Ryans. I spent a lot of time around around them, so you know I've been around you know white people a lot, and for the most part, growing up, you know they treated me well. So I've always been able to kind of connect with all different types of people. So it wasn't as challenging for me in that regard. Well, that's good. So I liked what you said that you have been able to connect with different different walks of life, different people. What do you think, what would you suggest to somebody who's struggling with that right now based on all the turmoil that's been happening, all the tension that's been happening? What would be like one piece of advice you could give to someone who's wondering, how do I connect? How do I move from this? How do I begin to think differently? I mean, and take like the whole faith idea out of the picture. Maybe they're not even in that place where that's even mm -hmm. part of what they are. How, how do you address that? What would you say to them? Because I believe well, there's people listening right now that need to hear it. Well, I would say the first thing is for us to not generalize. Generalization, I believe is the root to division and racism. That's Instead of seeing people as individuals, and getting to know those individuals, a lot of times we generalize. We, you know, we say all those people, all those Democrats, all those Republicans, right. um, all those Black people, all those white people, all those Mexicans. When in actuality, we're all unique. We're all different. And if we can show up for each other in a place of curiosity as opposed to judgment and ask questions and listen, and get to know that individual, then we could be more, much more successful moving forward, being united. Oh, I love that, Dre. Show up for each other in that way. That is so good. I am writing that down. 
That is so, so good. So you became a teacher. Tell us about that. Because that is really, you teach 11th grade, is that what you said? 11th and, 11th and 12th grade. Okay, so how did that happen? We went from football to teaching and wow. And I'm sure you are a like favorite teacher in the school. I'm sure that, you know, like all of the kids just adore you. And I'm sure you're a mentor to so many. So how did you end up falling into teaching? Obviously it was meant to be because the teacher in Ely, Minnesota told you. <laughs> uh, so what's that story like? Oh man, I'm glad you asked. That's a whole nother powerful story. <laughs> oh goody, tell so, us. Uh, when I came back from college, I didn't really know what profession I wanted to get involved in. Um, I was really just set on kind of just being a minister, and that was really my passion, but didn't really have a profession in secular realm. And I started trying to get a job, and I couldn't find a job. Like, no one would hire me. And I kind of got discouraged. I was to the point to where I was like, man, I'll be a janitor. I'll do anything. Like, all my pride is out the window. Nobody will hire me. And there was a position at a school, at a charter school, and it was for what they called a recess coach. And it was, this school had elementary kids and middle school kids, and the recess coach, the kids would go out for recess. The recess, co recess coach's job was to give them activities to do and to connect with the kids for, the, for that day. And here I am as a recess coach, and the kids started loving me. They, they, would, they would love me. Um, and I, I built such connection with them. And all of a sudden, this was a very challenging school. Very challenging. The third week of school, the teacher quit. The third week, the previous year, the previous year, 15, I believe it was 15 teachers had quit in one year. Wow. So these are the type of kids we're talking about. Right. So third week of school here, the teacher quits, the math teacher. And uh, I decided to, to boldly ask if me, the young guy with no experience, with no degree, could take these kids that these experienced teachers could not handle and teach them. Yes. So I go up to the principal and he was a, he was a good, great guy. Mr. T, great guy. I say, hey, is there any way you think I could come in that class and maybe be a sub or extended sub or something that you guys can find someone or a replacement? He was like, I don't think that can happen. He was like, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. He started thinking like, yeah, young guy, man, you recess coach. You can't, you can't handle this job. So I don't think that's going to happen, Dre. So um, all of a sudden, one day I'm out there. I'm out there playing with the kids. I'm getting them fired up. Probably it's like a week or two later. He came out. He looked at me. And he said, he quoted this ancient saying. He said, he said, um, if you see, you'll find. He said, if you if you actually receive, you're not going to be open to you. Mr. Fuller, the job is yours. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So you became a math teacher. Yes. So that was my first start. And I, I did pretty good because I survived. None of the other teachers made it through the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> that is still alive today, so I did good. <laughs> That is amazing. Wow, what a great story. And the kids, the students, they love you. And you're making an impact in their life and showing them by just being there and being a living example, a living epistle of what is possible. That is such a cool story, Dre. I did not know that about you. That is really... Yeah. Really? So, so then I went and got, that's what showed me that I could do it. And that's what showed me because the whole time, I believe that God was trying to guide me that direction was saying, saying it through different people, but I wasn't open to it. And now sure. here I am. He was allowing doors to be closed, to force me into the opening where he wanted me. So I'm frustrated. So somebody out there right now, you may be frustrated. You may be saying, Man, why doesn't anything work for me? Man, why are these opportunities not coming? And I just believe that there's, there's a higher power and operation in your life 
that is closing the doors that need to be closed and opening doors that need to be opened. And just like me, you'll be able to look back and see that it was divine alignment that was positioning you for your destiny. And that's exactly what happened to me. And I went back, went to school and I got my degree and I became a teacher and the rest has been history. That is so cool. What a great story. And that's so true. Everything that you just said. Um, we are being positioned for greatness. There's untapped potential inside of us, but we have to choose just like you did. Even against other odds that are really serious and they're real, you still jumped out and you know took that step of faith. Some would call it that blind leap, but you did it and you worked hard and it has paid off for you. Um, when it comes to all the chaos, the turmoil that our nation is in, coming from, I mean, your story is nothing short of miraculous. And obviously faith is very important to you because you're a minister. And then as you teach, you're teaching out of your heart of that, I'm sure. Um, that, you know, hey, you can even teach math to the glory of God, <laughs> right? So, um, but when you are seeing the kids at the students at school, and especially those ages too, these 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 18-year-olds, but you're seeing all kinds of kids, what advice, what suggestions do you give to people to, to try to help calm the waters, but we don't just want to calm the tensions, like sweep them under the rug because they're going to come back again. Really, if we're going to rebuild our nation in the aspect of unity or oneness, uh, you know, love more, judge less attitude, in your opinion, with your background, coming from the environment that you grew up in, being in that African-American community, and being a black man today and a teacher, what suggestions can you give to a world that needs to hear it? Where are some grassroots starting points that individuals that might be listening right now can say, I wanna help, but I don't know how? Um, well, I would say think big, but start small. That's good. And it's, First step is really for each and every one of us to look inside of ourselves and, and to be honest with ourselves where there may be thoughts that aren't right. The second step would just be maybe evaluate our circles, our friendships, and the people that we're connected with. If most of our connections are people that look like us, then it might be a good idea to diversify that connection. Um, so forming new relationships with people that are different than us. And even that may believe different than you, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're a Democrat, you can have a Republican friend. If you're a Republican, you can have a Democratic friend. Like we can disagree and still be friends. I know that's not popular today. Right. We can disagree and you still not unfollow me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> True. So I understand there's certain things that may be so, so extreme that where you can't be friends, but I'm saying generally. Right. So I would say the, one of the first steps for us as a society is to communicate, not necessarily to persuade all the time, but to understand. And if we understand each other, we can still connect with each other and respectfully disagree. So I would say the first, one of the first step is evaluating yourself. Are you a person that everyone has to agree with you? Am I a person that everyone has to agree with me but, or I get angry? So if that's the case, then change that. And the second step is diversifying your friends and build relationships with people that are different than you. Okay. If everyone did that, because see, the issue is when we don't surround ourselves with people that are different than us, then it, it allows us to dehumanize them. They're no longer human to us because we don't know them. So it's easy for us to criticize them. It's easy for us to say hateful things because we don't know them. It's just like if no one in your family has ever sold drugs, then to you, all drug dealers are the worst people on planet Earth. 
because you don't you don't know anybody. Right. But if you're me, my mama sold drugs. My cousin sold drugs, and they they're not all negative. They that's that's negative that they sell drugs. But man, they got some positive characteristics that outdo some of us. So when we diversify our friendships and relationships, it, it humanizes people, makes them human. And that causes us to have more empathy and to be able to connect. Wow. I could not have said that any better. I don't know if anybody could. Humanizing people versus dehumanizing people, all in building relationships and being willing to interact with somebody else that you might not have interacted with before. You know, I see that in the community with the elderly. It is so easy if you don't spend time with people that are uh, much older than you and in an elderly state or even a, uh, maybe dealing with some challenges in their health. It is so easy to look at them and think, mm, they're done with their life. You know, when, and, and be um, very disconnected and very hard, just hard towards them. And you can, you can see that people do that. And that would be exactly what you're saying. It's so easy to, well, they can't hear me anyway. They don't have their hearing aid in or something, you know, to yeah. not take that time to get to know somebody and know their story know what triggers them, what, what, what they get their kicks out of, what have been the hardships in their life, what lessons you could learn from them. So important. And John Maxwell talks about that value, that you know the do unto others value as you would have done unto you. When you take time to diversify your life, just like we're doing right now, this brings a whole nother realm in of, hey, Dre or Pamela, they're people just like you and me. We might have different backgrounds, different experiences, come, come from a different uh, place altogether. I didn't grow up in, in Florida. I grew up in Illinois and Minnesota. You know, I mean, we all have different stories, different histories. And when we can get a chance to share them like this, it makes us very real and very human to each other. I love that answer, Dre. That is just beautiful. And I hope that everybody has, is writing that down. <laughs> because if we would just take that little nugget right there and get to know people and not be so quick to judge, what a difference the world would be. I was in a taking a online class surrounding around trauma. And it was said, that in the generational scale, you know, something happening to great, great somebody, and then it continuing down through generations, the trauma doesn't usually fully manifest until three to four to five generations down. And that when mm -hmm. it does manifest, it comes out as anger or fear. And then that was connected over to all the things that have been happening in our nation in the recent last couple of months. And of course, this was being said to ministers, because I'm a minister too, Dre, like you, that if we can get a handle on this, then instead of being, uh, instead, when we hear people speaking so negatively against a certain group of people, race of people, or who do they think they are doing this or that, burning the city? So I'm not condoning any of that at all, that behavior. But when we understand that there is a trauma that is being released and it's coming out exactly the way it should in the eyes of therapy or whatever, psychologists, it's coming out in trauma of fear and anger. If we stop and pause on that and understand that, then the only way to combat that is we have to deal with the fear and the anger. And how do we deal with the fear of the anger or the anger if we don't get to know each other? If we don't diversify who we're hanging out with, if we don't hear each other's stories, if we don't create a safe place and a, and a relationship 
that is, you know, the, the, we can have safety and security, but, you know, the road goes both ways. And it's so important that podcasts like this are happening where people just like you and me can share these things so that we can reach out and make a difference. Think about it. Those students that you teach every day could be in that fourth or fifth generation dealing with a lot of confusion right now, struggling with fear and anxiety and anger. How would they ever be able to communicate that or find the proper outlet or heal from that if somebody like yourself wasn't in the school district that understands it, knows it, and can take them by the hand and show them. But also if we don't do the things we're doing, then all we're gonna do is continue to isolate ourselves in our little cell blocks of people groups. And then we're just gonna continue the same cycle. You know, and the Bible, it talks about go. Jesus says to go, right? Go to the nations, make disciples, all of that. And that word nations there is people groups. And so I don't believe we have to go very far. We don't even have to go offshore, do we? We have people groups right here that we can go to and love up on and just, as I like to say, love, listen, and learn. The three L's that we can do to change the world right now. Your story is absolutely amazing. So you're a minister. We're going to get ready to wrap up here, but you're a minister. Tell us about what you do, because I can tell that's your, your heart. You love your job. You love taking the kids, and I'm sure you have a minister's or shepherd's heart towards them, but I know that ministry is, has been for a long time your heartbeat, so what type of ministry are you doing right now? I mean, you're, I know you work with a church, but I know you have other things. You're a motivational speaker and stuff, so tell us about that. Yes, I operate in the past. Whoops, there you go. Try again. I said I operate in a pastoral role for our church. I, that's how I function. So okay. I'm what's called a care leader. So I help to care for the people and make sure they're, that they're okay. Uh, any needs that they, if they're going to the hospital, to be there for them, to pray with them. They're going to, uh, if they're going through a hard time, being able to love, to listen and learn, like you said. Um, is basically how I function. And also just as a motivational speaker. So, you know, I love speaking to kids or any any group that needs inspiration and motivation uh, is, is just as important to me as well. Now, if people wanted to follow you or learn more about you, how would they find you? Website, Facebook, how would they find Dre? Okay, um, you, you would find me at Facebook, it's actually my, my wife and I's page, but you find me on Facebook, uh, Dre, D-R-A-Y, and the letter N, Ruthia, R-U-T-H-I-A. Dre and Ruthia, D-R-A-Y, and R-U-T-H-I-A. Uh, that's my wife and I's page. You can find me there. Shoot me a message if you if you like to interact, or hit me up by email, um, Dreonte, that's my that's my real full name. Dreonte D R A Y O N T A E F at gmail.com. And we will have all that information for you as you are um, looking at the podcast, all the information there. We'll have all of that, all those handles, all those ways to reach out to Dre because uh, you need to be able to reach out to him and connect with him. You can tell he's really easy to connect with and let him share more about his story and, and, and help you because he is really um, a testament of what it means to choose and what it means to, to make a difference in the world. Dre, this has been life-changing, um, encouraging, inspiring all those things you say that you do and that you love to do motivating i am so motivated to diversify even in a greater way and to encourage people to do that if i take anything away from today there's so much but if i take one thing away i would say to our listening audience today diversify yourself look around your life diversify 
That doesn't mean that you're going out to coffee all the time, maybe, but you can diversify in the books you read, you can diversify in the people you follow uh, on social media, uh, who you listen to on YouTube. I mean, it is really easy to get outside of our own box if we will choose to. So I believe that that was the appointed word of the day through Dre was that we can choose and the other appointed word of the day was choose to diversify and let's make, let's humanize, not dehumanize each other. Because you know what? We might not all look the same, but we do all bleed the same and we need each other. The fabric of our nation is made up of folks just like Dre, just like you, just like me. So let's, you know, let's connect, let's heal, let's grow, let's love, listen, and learn, right, Dre? Yes, that's it. All right. Do you have anything else for us before we wrap up? Anything else you want to say? Yeah, I, I love you guys. I believe in you. You're awesome. You're amazing. There's great days ahead for you. Don't look at the circumstance. Don't look at what's going on. There's, the, 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 there's no limit to what's, what's able to occur in your life. Keep the faith. Keep progressing. Because when your life changes, my life changed and everyone who listens to this life changes then a miracle will change america is only as great as our individual lives that come together i wow. love you guys thank you for having me oh that is beautiful thank you so much dre america is only as great as the individuals that put it together or make us one that is so good all right. Well, thank you for being on the podcast today. You are awesome. Love you, Dre. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And um, please keep coming back for more amazing stories from the fabric of our nation and our world. God bless you. Love and blessings.